This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Get Golazo Weekend Recap. Even Stevens in the Milan Derby. David Moyes hammers the haters. More managerial musical chairs. And the misery continues for Manchester United and Barcelona. I'm here with Jimmy Conrad, the one and only. Jimmy Conrad to discuss it all, including MLS Decision Day. Que golazo weekend recap begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Golazo, our weekend recap. Thank you so much for being part of the family. If you're watching live on YouTube, I can't emphasize this enough. Jimmy, do you have your mic on? Do you have your little vuvuzuela? Oh, I do. What do you want me to say? Just say it, please. Like our YouTube page. Make those comments and questions. We need the engagement. And then hit subscribe. And then tell us what's on your mind, everybody, okay? And don't don't be – you don't have to be polite. Just give us your hottest takes, okay? That's what we're looking for. And if you're listening to this after the fact, hit us up on Twitter and do the same. Beautiful, Jimmy Conrad. Please, like Jimmy said, uh, share your thoughts, ask a question, give us a comment. Get things off your chest. Get things off your chest. You have a Newcastle fan here. You have an Aston Villa fan here. Please tell us what you think. And Des Norris, our producer, will throw the best comments on screen. Even if we can't read your comments, they will be on the screen for everybody to see. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating and review. Spotify, Stitcher, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. So welcome to Kigolasso Weekend Recap. Jimmy Conrad, my brother, how are you? I am great because there's a lot to talk about. And I'm excited to kind of dig into some of the big topics. And you know what? I'm going to throw the first question to you, LME. I'm not going to wait this time around. Hakan Chohanalu scored a penalty for Inter Milan today after spending four or five years with AC Milan. I and know the, guy, the guy did a knee slide. He did. <laughs> and would put, up, put his hands to his ears to the fans. From what I understand, <laughs> he wanted $5 million a year from AC yeah. Milan before he made the move. And they were only, they wouldn't budge off of four. Yeah. So he wanted five, got it from Inter Milan, didn't get it from AC Milan, decided to leave. Does that, like, does that necessarily, I mean, I guess I'm sure he's getting a lot of grief from leaving. So that's probably where this comes from, you know, because they're probably giving him such a hard time. But that seems, he could have taken the high road. He decided to not take the high road. And I kind of enjoy it. I love that. I think we need more wwe type theatrics in the game sometimes really and kind of lean into the emotion of it just to get the fans all fired up but there's still a part of me that goes like ah that might be a little bit too much that could be egregious what do you think 100 percent. i'm glad you started with that uh, jimmy conrad uh, derby de la madonna you were able to watch on paramount plus on cbs sports by the way it ended one all it was chaotic it was entertaining we thought after the first 25 minutes it was going to go even worse uh, or better for the neutral, so to speak. But as you mentioned, let me answer your question here. First of all, I remember working for The Guardian way back and I wanted to write an article about how, you know what, this whole thing about you shouldn't celebrate uh, a goal against your former team. Sometimes I'm like, why not? Because you're kind of disrespecting your current team, right? This right. one, though, was so funny because he was like pushed a little bit into that slide. And as you mentioned, he got up, he put out his ears like saying, you know, what, what, what? Obviously, it has to do with the, the money that he wasn't getting. He felt he was being disrespected mm-hmm. from Rossoneri. And of course, he scores a goal for Inter Milan. I don't know. I, I'm with you, man. I love the drama. Give me more drama. Give, it was like, that's exactly, that's what happened in the 90s all the time, by the way. Mm-hmm. So give me some action. What do you think? You you, you agree with me? Yeah, I I can see both sides, you know. I I am a, as a former player, you, you I, feeling, I still, but I still have some stuff that that resides on my shoulder. I've got this big chip for certain things that happened during my career that have actually been really hard for me to let go. So, you know, he's living in the same city where he wanted to move. He went to the opposing team, so I'm sure he walks around and probably gets a bunch of a, a bunch of grief as well, right? Where I mean, brave man, right? Brave yes, man, yeah, in a lot of different ways, especially because you know, in this in this time these guys are making so much money. It just feels maybe, you know, some fans could be like, well, why is he being so greedy? Why didn't he just stay with our team? Yeah, and, and, Patty, right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And for Inter Inter's perspective, well, after the whole Christian Eriksen situation, they needed a player like him in their team. So he fit, I think, their model moving forward. And maybe, maybe Pioli just didn't want to build around him in, in some capacity that he thought he had other players that could do the job. So, you know, there, there's a lot to un unpack there. And uh, I mean, I can see where it's coming from, but he had a moment to be like, no, nah, I'm cool, you know, and not really. And he, <laughs> he decided to, no, no, he, he chose violence. He chose violence yeah. and I absolutely loved it. By the <laughs> way, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're an AC Milan fan, what do you think? What, what, what do you make of that? Uh, situation with uh, Hakan Kanogalu. And if you're an Inter fan, obviously you're going to be, you know, uh, having your own opinion. But uh, what do you think of that moment? If you don't know that moment I'm talking about, please go on CBS Sports uh, Go Lasso because they have the highlights right there on Twitter. But let's talk about the actual game here. One all, it was very entertaining, chaotic, one could say. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt the pendulum went one way or the other throughout the whole game, Jimmy Conrad. And then towards the end, maybe Ace Milan had some good chances. Slatan Ibrahimovic, uh, his great free kick. Uh, uh, by the way, Mike Mignon being injured obviously was a major issue. But this man uh, came to the rescue. What do you, what'd you think of uh, what do you think of the performance of? Uh, I always it, it's a, it's a long ass name, isn't it? It's a long name, yeah. But he. Uh... He made a save on Lataro Martinez. I actually thought the Ciprian Catarosano. The the yes, yes. That's what do right. you think of that? Because he saved Lataro Martinez's penalty as well. He Talk did. To me about he, the Talk to me about that. I mean, I thought that Balotore made a big mistake on that particular penalty. That one felt like an out and out penalty. And, and Boris the Kessier one. He takes a bad touch. It looks like they just get legs tangled. I could see why it was called, but if it wasn't. Well, whatever. So I feel like it kind of evened out. The one penalty that was maybe a little bit more questionable got made, and the one mm. that was a straight penalty uh, was missed, and it was a good save by the goalkeeper. Lataro's, you know, that I don't know. Say the game's done and dusted because it could just feel like there were more goals in it. And and uh, to your point, this game was screaming out for one more person to step up and be a hero. And we've seen it yeah. in previous iterations of the Milan derby where where somebody steps up, and Zlatan has been that guy, or at least last season that he was, and and it just. We're talking inches away, right? Or or one final pass away from from making that happen. But I predicted a one-one draw. You did. Uh, I did. I had a draw on this one, and and uh, it kind of played out the way that I thought. A little chippy, as, as expected. Very emotional. A lot of whistles throughout the game, right? And, and some some big time players that uh, Zlatan in particular, who were just larger than life. So I, I thought it was a good Milan derby. The first 30 minutes were super exciting. And I thought we were going to see like a five, four game yeah. given the pace of how it was going, but it settled down a little bit. And once it hit halftime, I, I guess once it was starting off so fast, you knew the managers were going to make these nuanced, maybe moves to their tactics. And, and Balotori ended up coming out in his particular, you know, and Kululu came in. So there were a couple things that happened that I think shifted to it and maybe slowed it down a bit. But like I said, there were still some opportunities that uh, could have been executed a little bit better. But a draw is a draw, and I think both teams will probably go home relatively satisfied. I mean, Inter maybe a little less because they miss a penalty. Yeah. It was earlier in the day, Napoli couldn't get three points themselves. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a second, about some winners in that game, specifically the son of uh, a certain athletic manager. Uh -huh. But, you know, not getting three points for AC Milan was probably not as good. Let's have a look at that Serie A table. There, there's uh, Norris, uh, as we, we can check it out, because a lot of action happened, including, of course, uh, Jose Mourinho, which we'll talk in a second, but we're going to talk about Roma in a second. But I just want a, a quick glance at the table. Napoli, as I mentioned, couldn't get three points. So Milan, neither. Inter, neither. But Atalanta doing their thing. I believe they've scored uh, the most goals this year after Bayern Munich in the entire European continent. What do you make of, of this top four, even top five? Uh, I'm actually still pleasantly surprised by Napoli. You know, they, they just aren't giving up a lot on the defensive side of the ball. And that's for me, you know, hallmark of any team that's going to go on to win a trophy. You, you can't win anything of consequence without a good defense, uh, a goal goalkeeper that's making the saves he should make. And then hopefully making a couple of cherry on top saves as well. And and then you have players up top that are doing the, the business consistently. Now, it wasn't enough, uh, unfortunately, for them this time around. They ran, ran into uh, the red-hot Giovanni Simeone, who gets himself in a good spot and just gets a toe. You know, I mean, he's just putting himself in spots to make plays. That's seven goals in four games from him, or the last four, last three games. Crazy, crazy numbers. And 
the guy's just red hot and he's been taking the scalp of, of all the top teams. So not a, not a big surprise that maybe Napoli didn't get the full points given how well Verona has been playing. But uh, I really like what Napoli's doing. Lazio big win at home three zero and then Inter and, and uh, AC Milan obviously with the draw, but uh, yeah, lots to play for. And I think the most disappointing would be, would be Roma, but Juve also got a big win. They're not in the top, top seven there, which is a bit of a surprise, but Juve getting the one zero win to tie Fiorentina on points was, was a very big deal for them in particular because they just hadn't been playing very well. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, Roma and Jose Mourinho. And most importantly, the great win from Venezia it was a great uh, five goal thriller there. And Atalanta, as we mentioned, uh, wins two one against Galliari. But today, everybody, we're not just sticking to one league and then we're, we're going to just jump around. OK, so so bear with us. We're, <laughs> we're trying to go with the biggest topic uh, points. Uh, we started with Derby de la Madonina and now we will go to the Premier League. West Ham United, Jimmy Conrad, they've lost twice in the entire campaign right now, including every competition. They're in the knockout stages of the Europa League, and now they are third in the Premier League table after a fantastic 3-2 win over Liverpool. West Ham fans are probably upset that the international break has now entered because they can also be the Grim Reaper sometimes when it comes to momentum. But West Ham United, Talk to me, Jimmy. What what a game, by the way. Super, a great uh, blueprint for the Premier League. 100%. Uh, West Ham should be proud of where they are and what they've accomplished and their consistency, I'd say, throughout this whole calendar year. It's been nothing short of impressive, given the fact that they have come from where they've come from. I mean, this is David Moyes' second stint in charge. And I know when he got hired, I have a lot of West Ham friends or fans that friends that are fans of West Ham. That was a tough one for me to say. <laughs> he he uh, they, they just... They were like, ah, David Moyes. It just felt like they were settling, right? Settling for someone that didn't really do very well the first time around. But it's there's something I think that was unique about it, that he came back feeling different and approaching the job in a different way and the players maybe accepting him in a different way. And, and uh, it ended up working out, right? So I'm happy for him in particular. He's He did a great job at Everton. We used to talk so highly as uh, David Moyes, you know, and then he got kind of plucked by Sir Alex Ferguson to take over, and that didn't go well, and it kind of started him as a meme. But he seems to work his way out of being a meme, LME. Now, what <laughs> I'll say about this game in particular, though, it's Allison didn't look great. Whether you think it's a foul on Ogbonna when he goes up for it, I didn't really see it. I mean, Allison's a big guy. It's not like he's one of my friends, Nick Romano, one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. I love Nick Romano, but he's like five foot nothing, and he just had incredible hops and quickness for yeah. days. Allison's a big dude. And so for him, and I know Ogbonna is as well, but but it's not easy to like impact him. So for him to not be able to run through that, I felt like was a little interesting. I know Jurgen Klopp afterwards was was pretty upset that if he you know if he's holding his arm down, how is he supposed to be a goalkeeper? That should be a foul. I think the goalkeepers get protected a lot. So so there's some ways you know when you look at goal corner kicks, how do they get given up? You know, did was there some lapse of concentration there? So that's kind of where I always start with set pieces. Could that have been avoided in the first place? Could they have done better? Once they identified that that's how West Ham were going to do their set pieces, can you get an extra defender there to maybe get in between Allison and Mikel Antonio, who's on the goalkeeper, or Ogbana, whoever it is, so that Allison has some room to take a step and jump, right, and have some mm. momentum to do that? There's all these little things that Liverpool spin. could have done. Yeah, the it was, was tricky. It was a little tricky, and obviously it's 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 planned and they well executed, and and it was a goal. I just feel like Liverpool kind of shot themselves in the foot today more than – West Ham won it. I know West Ham fans are like, come on, just give us some credit. And I do, and I will, because you still have to go out there and score the goals and take advantage of your opportunities, no question. Yeah. But but I just felt like Liverpool just weren't as sharp, especially on, on set pieces. We've already seen it. We've seen evidence of it with when they were playing AC Milan, when they were playing Brentford, that they do have these lapses in concentration that right now are costing them. Now, costing them that was the first time they've lost in 25 games so I, I don't know how much it's costing them but but this could be a good wake-up call and right before the international break some guys are going to be gone whatever others can get some rest and uh maybe that'll kind of jumpstart them i'm not too worried about liverpool i think they're going to make a deep run in all the competitions they're in but uh but uh, this is a tough one good one it's very cool for west ham though you do kind of have that i don't know if they're I mean, leicester city yeah, vibes that they're going to go on and win the league know, Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, i wanted yeah. to show some more love for west ham because sure. i think they know who they are they are counter they're reactive. They're physical. Mikel Antonio is a nightmare, but it's not just him. Said Ben Rama, of course, and others. And, you know, you began 
with uh, giving credit to David Moyes and what a job he has done. Obviously, yeah. you know, it's November and it's not over. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. But let me ask you two questions, and I'm asking everybody that's watching two questions too, especially if you're a West Ham fan. Actually, especially if you're not, because I would love to hear the realism from any neutral. But the first one is this, okay? I mentioned three points of top. It's November, I get it. Are, um, you know, Champions League for them? Do you see that? Is that a realistic uh, possibility, mm. a Champions League spot this year? I, I think this that... It's going to really depend on how far they go in the Europa League. I just feel like when you start to get into the middle of the season, especially for Premier League teams, if you're in multiple competitions, you know, you have to, the, the December window gets really crowded. Then you got FA Cup and maybe League Cup stuff in January. And then right after that starts the knockout rounds for the Europa League. It just becomes a lot. Now, I think that they actually have quite a bit of depth. And, and if they still had Jesse Lingard, maybe I'd be like, yes, you know, he could be that guy that gives them a spark. doesn't always have to rely on Mikel Antonio all the time or for I thought was very good today too. Um, yeah, very good. Uh, better Robins. You know, they, they've had a lot of good players guys. I feel like that's, what's been cool about them is they kind of spreading out who steps up and makes the big plays. It's a very collective. I know it's really cliched, but they're very together. Like they're, they're like a full, like if, if one man's not stepping up, the other one's right there to, to intoxicate to your point about Liverpool, not showing up is probably a lot of it has to do with the fact that this team is very compact. They know exactly who they are. All right. So you, it all depends on Europa league then. So I, so I think a little bit, I think that, I think that comes into the equation for sure. Um, yeah. Can they do it? I think they can. I mean, they've shown through 11, 11 games so far that they can hang with anybody. They're tied with Manchester City on points and one point ahead of Liverpool. Arsenal's kind of hanging around, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, mean I Arsenal mean, now. They're not nice anymore. They're I mean. Know, I know, I know. Wins. Yeah, I like Six it. Six wins and two draws in their last eight. I mean, after being at the bottom of the table after, what, the first three games of the season is quite impressive for Mikel Arteta, so fair play to him. Manchester United is a bit of a dumpster fire. I think we're going to get a lot of hot and cold with them. They could still go on a run. They have the talent to do so. Tottenham with Antonio Conte. I know we're going to get into all these teams. I know, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess they're going to hang around. I think top six for sure, but but top four feels like they're going to still need a couple breaks. And I will add, if everybody stays healthy, then of course they've got a great shot. And if they don't sell Declan Rice in January or any crazy things like that, then obviously. Yeah, I mean, I don't see him. I don't see it either, but I mean, you know, Man United's Man United and and a big offer is a big offer. So, you know. Yeah. No, European uh, competition and of course, staying injury free is a massive. Well, the second question then kind of uh, already answers itself, but you're a, you sometimes uh, put in a good, uh, you know, you, you're the betting tips man here. Like, <laughs> is it a cheeky wager to say, listen, we've seen crazy, okay? So before anybody starts, like, you know, bombarding me with comments on YouTube or Twitter, could they win the Premier League? Well, right now they're plus 5,000 to win the Premier League. I'm just saying. I mean, that's, City has that's, shown us that anything is possible. I'm just true. saying. West Ham to get top four is plus 300, which... I, I wouldn't mind putting 10 bucks on that. I, I think that's a very even, Ar even Arsenal's plus 300 to get top four. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you have it. I mean, yeah. so what do you think, everybody? Could they could West Ham uh, earn a Champions League spot at the end of the season? Could they win the Premier League? Unbelievable. But honestly, David Moyes, first Premier League win over Liverpool since September 2006. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, just incredible. The fact that they're now leapfrogged. Uh, the Reds and Jurgen Klopp. Uh, and by the way, that Sadio Mane miss an injury time say, as well is worth mentioning, right? It is worth. I didn't mention that before, but yeah, Sadio Mane needs to finish that given his experience. And it's almost like he had too much time to, right. you know, he saw it. There was no pressure on him. His timing of his run was fantastic. Trent Alexander-Arnold dropped an absolute peach of a dime in there. Peach of a dime, peach of a ball in there. And I like peach of a dime too. Though. Yeah, I do too. I, yeah, it's we're making up new phrases here on K Golasso, but... <laughs> But it's like they tell you to head the ball back where it came from because that's the goalkeeper is usually shifting over to the side. So if you head it back into that kind of area, it's harder for him to get back to his, well, in that particular instance, to his left. So he just had to put it on frame. And I just think he was trying to make, maybe be too perfect with it. Jurgen Klopp, I mean, that happens. You, you have guys that go through their spells and they miss chances. But that would have been that would have been a nice one. And really, we'd be talking about a much different performance that, that West Ham kind of blew it. They don't have the mentality to, <laughs> to hang with the big boys or at least hold on to leads. And so it, it's kind of funny how, how thin that margin is, that thin that line is between uh, how we're talking about David Moyes and, and how we would be talking about him if that result had been different. Well, I'll tell you what, it's fun after the international break. Liverpool host Arsenal. Uh, mm -hmm. So that should be a very good game. And West Ham travel 
to wolves. By the way, we're seeing all these comments. Our producer desk is posting them on uh, our screen. If I don't read every single one or Jimmy doesn't read every single one, please, we acknowledge him. One of them from our friend Mauricio uh, talking about my villa. Thank you. We'll get to that in a second. I appreciate <laughs> you. I appreciate you. you but let's keep yeah, well, can ahead. I tell you just really quick? You talk about mm. Liverpool Arsenal. Mm. Liverpool are fourth. 12-30 game Eastern. No, their goal, their, their goal difference is plus 20. Okay. <laughs> Arsenal are fifth. Their goal difference is zero. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. They're, the they're two difference. points different, but they're 20 plus 20 goals different. That that uh, I think speaks volumes as to and Arsenal are three points over Manchester United, which yeah. is uh, you know, well, let's talk about Antonio Conte. Rafa Benitez, Everton, Tottenham. This was one I think we, I think you also called a draw. The draw, I did. I did. Straddling the fence worked out for me this week, everybody. I love it. I love it. The imbalance helps with the balance overall. Everton, nothing. Tottenham, nothing. There was a few chaotic moments, but in the end, a point apiece. Talk to me about Antonio Conte's first week in charge. It's just the first week. How do you, how do you, do you think he's realized the, uh, the tremendous (laughs) mountain that he has to climb with Tottenham now? I, I think he's probably understanding the personality of his team collectively and maybe what they're lacking and, and things that he couldn't see from the from the outside or from watching the All or Nothing documentary, which he referenced, by the way, that he watched to get to know the players better. They still didn't get any shots on goal, which not too surprising given the way that we know Rafa Benitez likes to set up very, very uh, dense blocks of line, blocks of lines uh, in front of the back four or on top of the box. But but you still have Harry Kane out there. You still have Hingman's son. You still have very talented Lucas Mora out there that, that should be able to generate a shot on goal. So that, I guess, in that, I know Reguillon missed a, a crazy opportunity that should have been put away, or at least put on frame. So there, there, that was probably their best chance of the game. But it always felt like they only had maybe one or two chances in this one. And I'm going to go back to what I had said in the preview. When Thomas Tuchel took over for Chelsea, the first thing he focused on was, I got to get everything locked down in the back. Like, that's where we're going to start the philosophy and the methodology of, of what this team is going to look like. And once we get that figured out, I can start to work on everything going forward. And we saw his back three, his patented back three was in. We had Christian Romero, Eric Dyer was in the middle. Ben Davies was a bit of a surprise, I thought, as a, as a left back choice. But then I thought about it some more. You have Davies as your, like, your third left, your center, third center back on the left. You got Reguillon, who's also left-sided, and it just helps you kind of pass out of those situations a little bit as opposed to having a, a right-footed player in that left-back spot. Then Hoiberg and Skip, not a big surprise there. Emerson's your other wing-back, and you got Mora, Son, and Kane. I think we were pretty spot-on if we had mentioned the lineup in the preview. We were pretty close to what we saw. So I actually wasn't surprised by the result. I knew it was going to be a tough game. He's going to make Spurs very hard to break down and to beat but where they're really lacking at the moment is, and this is going to be his biggest challenge to your point, is kind of reinvigorating Harry Kane to be dangerous. You know, Jose Marino will love him or hate him. I mean, he still was getting that guy to score and, and hit goals. And Hingman's son, you know, they were still doing something on the counterattack, which made them lethal and made them unpredictable. Yeah. Even they though you knew it was coming, enough. you couldn't stop him, you know? There were chances uh, for sure, because yes, uh, to your point, defensively is where the focus is. But, you know, Tottenham had more possession. They had more passes. Their pass accuracy was okay. More sh- uh, No, actually, Everton's had was where they had more shots. So it's really about entering that final third and, to your point, making sure that Harry Kane and Human Son, who did have a very good uh, chance towards the end of that game, that it went wide uh, from the right-hand side and went bottom left. So, But, you know, it will come. It's just one week. And uh, at the end of the day, to your point, the most important thing, do not concede, do not drop points. And I guess a point against Everton away at Goodison Park helps them. Um, by the way, I, I, do you see the yeah. penalty or the penalty they got called back? Oh, Reed, that's right. That that's a big call. He does, I think, that get the ball first. It was, and he got there first. But yeah. but uh, what I loved actually was that Goodison Park was going absolutely nuts after he mm. took that penalty back, and that next fifteen or twenty minutes. Was is is why I love the Premier League in particular. Like it was insane. Guys were yeah. flying all over the place. It was so highly charged, Chaotic, tense, emotional. Like, oh yeah. my god, it was unreal. And and you have to think Rafa Benitez and Antonio Conte were like, this is why I love being a manager. You know, I, these are the moments. Like everything's riding on it. Everybody's at peak emotion. And who can keep it together the most? Who can stay sensible and still make plays, not lose their minds and get a red card or whatever? We saw Holgate get a red card anyway. But but that's I love that. I love when games get a little bit of chip, a little bit chippy. 
And, and I thought that that next 15, 20 minutes was awesome. And, and that's the kind of games I like to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And listen, overall, Antonio Conte's first week, you get a win in Europe and the Conference League. I'm sorry, I did the Heath Pierce mistake. And you get a point in the Premier League, then an international break to work more with your team. And then we'll see what happens. By the way, smash that like button for YouTube. Get go lasso, comment, subscribe, bring in those questions and those comments. We love to hear from you. By the way, uh, Ilias, our biggest fan from Somalia, by the way, says hello. Uh, Jimmy and I say hello, Ilias. Thank you so much for joining and everybody else. Uh, our colleague, Mike Meredith, by the way, he does amazing work here. He he says uh, he's a Tottenham fan, big talk. He's saying, thank you, Jimmy and LME for being so nice to my Tottenham. Like, <laughs> you know, it's the first, you know, we've been so I cruel mean, for so many months. Like we've Really been- quick though. I mean, they have a manageable schedule coming out of the international break. They have Leeds. They, they travel yeah. away to Mura uh, in the, in the conference league. They got Burnley, Brentford and Norwich. So, so, very doable and a great op- opportunity to kind of break the slump, uh, at least attacking-wise, for some of their players. I'm looking at you, Harry Kane. So we'll we'll see how it all plays out. Very good point. A good schedule after the international break. That's Norris. Let's see that Premier League table as we discuss the rest of the action. Uh, by the way, uh, Burnley got a point against Chelsea. Very good mm-hmm. in that one as Chelsea, well. Chelsea missed so many opportunities. They did. They uh, did. They missed so many chances, yeah. But unbelievable. I mean, you know, whenever you can get anything out of Chelsea, especially at Stanford Bridge as well. Yeah. Man City uh, remains second, by the way. But, you know, they won against Manchester United in that derby. Liverpool yeah. lost to West Ham. West Ham above Liverpool now. Arsenal. Um, let's talk about... Uh, Let's talk about, about the Manchester Derby. You want to talk about the Manchester Derby? Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to talk about the Derby in a later bit. Okay, uh, okay, Manchester. Okay. We're going to do a losers of the weekends. And Manchester United <laughs> is it, going to. Got be. it. Got it. But actually, talk to me about Man City in this game. I thought that was a good professional performance. Frankly, I Kevin De Bruyne in the false nine spot, floating around. I was not surprised to see a back three, but I don't think it works without Varane frankly. And when you have Lindelof and Bailly, I just think you're taking risks with players that do have lapses from time to time or will make that one big mistake that you can pounce on. And obviously Bailly scores the own goal. Quality own goal, by the way. You know, side netting. You got to respect that. Also, I love Eric Bailly so much that he tweeted out. I don't know if you saw his tweet after the game. Of his own goal. And he said, I got to keep my head up. Got to do better next time. Or I'm paraphrasing here. But he had like two photos of like him hitting it from like this angle. And then like it he's going back it. I was, he's, yeah, he's definitely owning it, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody like celebrate their own own goal, like throw up photos. Super funny. So yeah. fair play to Eric Bailly, but but that was always going to be a big risk. And I don't think this team is necessarily set up to to play that. And if you give Pep Guardiola a week to prepare for you and your new formation, he's going to crush you. Now, if you had like surprised him with the back three, he, then you hadn't rolled it out against Spurs and Atalanta for a little bit. Then, then maybe you could have caught City there with that formation change. But because they've already seen it for a week and because it's not Varane, it's Bailly and Lindelof, I just think that was going to be a tall order. You're sitting, you got Greenwood starting instead of Cavani, who he likes to pick up the ball a little bit wider and come in. Was there anybody up there that was really going to stretch the defense? I think Ronaldo needs that. He needs somebody that's actually going to run those channels. Cavani's more of a proper number. I love Greenwood. Don't, I don't want anybody to think this is Greenwood slander. But I think Cavani will run those those thankless runs into the channel, which opens up that space for for Ronaldo to kind of pick his spots as to either join off of his shoulder or to drop into midfield and go pick it up. Greenwood is a little bit more from like a outside the in type player, and he's very good at it. But I don't think maybe that was the right partnership. So it's it's interesting times here for for a lot of people at Manchester United. But with regard to, to Man City, super super good performance. Once they went up two zero. They just locked it down. They sat back and tried to like, go ahead, United, try to make the game. We don't think you can because we're going to we're going to stack our two lines. We're just going to kill any kind of momentum because the way that United really hurt you is on counterattacks, especially under Ole Gunnar. And they just said, we're not going to we're not even going to stretch ourselves out. to make None that of happen. that. None of that. I'm going to professional yeah. performance from them. And they're so really disciplined, good. right? They're so disciplined that once they went up to zero, the game was over. Defensive transition was excellent. Bernardo Silva was up for it, by the way. Uh, 16 shots, five on target, 68% possession, nearly 900 passes. You know, Man City doing their thing. We're going to go back. We're going to return to Manchester United. We're going to we do losers to. Of, after the break. Uh, we're going to do losers of the weekend. But before the break, we're going to do a little coaching managerial 
carousel. Uh, just uh, there's been a lot of action, by the way, not just in the Premier League, but in Europe in general. But we're going to begin in the Premier League. We're going to just discuss a little bit. First of all, I'm going to ask Jimmy about Newcastle. He's going to ask me about Villa. But let's begin with Newcastle. Uh, you know, got a point against Brighton. Uh, Eddie Howe was watching, by the way. And after the international break, Jimmy Conrad, he's got Brentford, Arsenal, Norwich, and Burnley. Talk to me about Eddie Howe, this international break, Newcastle, what you saw from Brighton, I guess, but really more importantly, after the international break and how things really need to now be sped up. For Brighton, really quick on them, they have to be kicking themselves not to get the full three points against a Newcastle team that is as vulnerable as they are, especially at home, and then having a 1-0 lead and giving up that lead. Now, fair play, though, to Newcastle for kind of going after it in the second half. I thought the first half was... You know, I was like, I don't know if I overwatch these guys anymore. I don't care if Eddie Howe is coming in. I don't care if we have new owners. We're terrible. But the second half was a little bit more. There was something, a little spark there that that they needed. And yeah. whether it was Graham Jones or Eddie Howe giving messages to Graham Jones, I don't know. But we scored our one one goal on our one shot throughout the whole 90 minutes. So uh, I'm happy about those numbers. That's that's a good stat, scoring all your goals on all your shots. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's got some work to do. But Eddie Howe has a track record with Bournemouth of knowing how to manage these situations, getting more out of less. And, and that's where we are right now. And I don't think it's on necessarily the attacking side of the ball. When Callum Wilson plays, you got ASM, Alonson Maximian, you got uh, Almiron. Uh, you know, Shelby can be a deep-lying playmaker. I think if you put him in the right spots to make that happen, it's our back line, man. I, I, and maybe even the, the how we're pressing as a group. So there's a lot of issues that I have that I think Eddie Howe now has probably done more than enough homework on. And I'm hopeful that he can help us find that balance of not being so defensive. We actually go and go forward and maybe play a high, little higher up the field. It, it, it does tend to lead to some exciting stuff. So I think as a Newcastle fan, I'd like to see that. But uh, I'm excited for the appointment of Eddie Howe. I think it's a sensible choice. It's not sexy by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think we need that right now. We need somebody sexy in about two years when Eddie Howe can kind of right the ship and maybe sign one or two players. My big question for Newcastle, and I'm curious about what you think about this LME and everybody else listening and watching. Yeah, drop a comment, everybody. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Who do, who do you think is going to be the first player that Newcastle signed? That first domino that's going to fall. If I remember correctly, it was Man City signed Rubinho. It was kind of like their big, once they got the oil money, that was their big first signing. It was like, oh, we got Rubinho, everybody. Who else wants to come join the party? And then slowly from there, they started to sign, you know, other guys. And, and all of a sudden, their squad got pretty good and yeah. and th you know they started to sell people so who's the, the big first uh wrapped present in january is what I, you're saying well i don't know about january is going to be tough but i think you could probably go try the to summer. get those yeah. i don't know maybe maybe there are players like an aaron ramsey with whatever you think about aaron ramsey but like players that are on the outs donnie vandebake from manchester united like players that aren't getting jesse lingard that aren't getting maybe the love that they deserve or the opportunity yeah. they deserve and and maybe you try to go handpick a few of those players in the summer you splash. I heard that Mark Ter Stegen from Barcelona might be available. I don't know right. if that's that's due to finances and they just got to unload him, but I would happily take Mark Ter Stegen over at Newcastle. And, and he'd be used to it because they give up a ton of chances at Barcelona as well. So it'd be kind of just a different venue. That's all. Yeah, well, you know, listen, uh, Alan Shear was here a few weeks ago, and obviously, uh, I think uh, it's echoed, right? You need a spine, right? That you know, you mm -hmm. need to just strength. I mean, you need strength in everywhere, but you need a spine. It would be two things: one, players that don't mind not being in Europe the following season, right? Mm -hmm. And the other one is then, in that case, you have to really expand and strengthen your scouting network because that's when you can go to places like South America, perhaps. Uh, in, in the Argentinian League, the Brazilian League, and maybe find a, a star that can really just bolt up. But to your point, also add players on the outs that know the Premier League. So that's the tough part as well. I mean, honestly, we should go sign Alexander Mitrovic because he's absolutely I was literally going to say somebody like that. That guy's himself. crushing it. He's like a championship player maybe because he's got, I don't know, 20 goals so far in the league. It's crazy at a 17 oh, games or, or whatever. Alternate, alternatively as well, play, teams in the Premier League that really have nothing to play for for the following season but are yeah, stars, too. right? So also, also, Spike says Dusan Vlahovic. I would 1,000% take him and they should pay like 20 to 30 million over what Fiorentina asks to make sure we secure him. Well, but, 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 this is my issue. I want to talk about your issue as an Aston Villa fan. Have, how many, how, have you dried your tears about Dean Smith getting fired? I mean, he lost five straight games, so I understand why it was coming, but it feels pretty harsh given how much he gave to the club. 
Yeah, this is uh, this is difficult for me. Um, I've been a lifelong Aston Villa fan. I've I don't think that his exit has hurt me as much as when Brian Little left hmm. way back in the day for a few reasons. One, every Villa fan knows just how much Dean Smith loved the club. He's a lifelong fan. He will not stop doing that. His father was a steward. Avila Park would walk Sir Doug, Doug, Sir Doug Ellis to his seat. Like there's just so much emotional, personal connection to the club. So there's that part of it. The other part is what you just said, just the realization of everything. But we have to remember, you know, this is the man that took over when we were 14th, 15th in the championship. We, we had a clearer picture because we had new owners, but we didn't have a clear picture. We didn't know where we were going on the pitch. And then came Dean Smith. And his first season, he took us back to the Premier League. And, you know, after avoiding relegation in that first uh, stint and the return of the Premier League, the things that he did last year, right? 7-2 against Liverpool, undefeated against Chelsea, two wins over Arsenal. And, you know, if Jack Grealish had not been hurt for the majority of, of, of the, you know, towards the turn of the year, who knows? Maybe we could have gone Europe. Who knows? But the reality is five straight losses, but not just that, but it's the manner in which we have lost those games. I really, it's been unidentifiable. The Wolves game, the Wolves game killed you. Up 2-0 with 10 minutes left. and 10 minutes to go, but it's also the way that we played against Tottenham and, you know, and Arsenal as well, overwhelmed in every single way. And even this game just now against Southampton, where the first 45 minutes is like, you needed a halftime break for that wake-up. So there are, and also we've got the most losses in the Premier League right, joint this year. More than Newcastle, Jimmy Conrad. So, like, there are reasons for this that has happened, but it it just it broke my heart because I just know how much this man has done for the club and what he means to the club. So right now, it's, it's a very difficult job for Johan Lange and Christian Persler to find out. Apparently, reportedly, the ambition is high for the next manager that comes in. We're talking yeah, Steven Gerrard, so maybe... Hire? Exactly. So that to me, that to me is the thing. And that's the argument that was posing to every single Villa fan. I was like, you want Dean Smith out, right? But who, who's the person that's going to come in? So that's going to be the biggest question mark for me, but make no mistake about it. It has really shook me his exit. And, uh, you know, I wish him all the best and his, and his family, but that's pretty much it. I mean, Jack Grealish, obviously super important, but you brought in Buendia who obviously showed what he could do with Norwich you got in Leon Bailey from Bayer Leverkusen, who we all agree is a good player. You got Danny Ings for a pretty decent price, 32 mil. You know, Ashley Young comes in. You got Twan Zabi that comes in. Like, I feel like you brought in some players. I know, but remember something. That can play. There, there's been one game, not even that one game, where we've had almost 100% of a fit squad. Danny Ings, Buendia, Leon Bailey have never played together on the pitch. It's always been an injury situation there and then. So that that's a problem. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to do an excuse for Dean Smith, but no, but you know, that, and also I mean, that's when just the facts. Rid- you're, just, you're just saying the facts. And when Jack Grealish le- lives but leaves, by the way, right? For this amount and, and the summer that it was or whatever, right? The most, the most talented Aston Villa player of our generation who demanded 95% of tactics. Because everything pretty much went to him. The moment he goes, you begin with a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. You have to start all over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's the other part of it. It's a really tough decision. Uh, I wish him all the about, best. But, what do you yeah. think about quickly before we get to the other managers? John mm-hmm. Terry, do you think him not being on the coaching staff made a difference this season? Yeah, massively. He did a lot all the way from the championship, specifically at the back. Honestly, I know it's a cliche because he's a, obviously one of the, the best centre-backs uh, the Premier League in England has ever seen, but like he did a lot at the back to make sure that Konza, Tyron Minks worked together, helped uh, uh, House as well. You know, so yeah, absolutely. That definitely is, is an issue. And, um, you know, we're going to see what happens. All right, we're going to move on here. But uh, Daniel Farka, by the way, got fired after his first win. Seems a little mean, doesn't it? Uh, and Anders like Shevchenko. Yeah, go ahead. predetermined about Farka, but yeah. Yeah, no, the, exactly. The decision was already done before. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. It just, you know, it's just, you know, in in today's digital and social media, it just, it's funny that it happened right after that went. But there was already a decision to it, of course. Uh, but Andrei Shevchenko is now Genoa's new manager. What do you think of that? I, I like it. I thought he did really well with Ukraine, surprisingly. Sometimes when you have a winner or, excuse me, a manager of his, with his playing experience, doesn't always translate. Sometimes we've seen it with Diego 
Armando Maradona. We've seen it with, and I love that. I watched that Maradona documentary. Now I always want to say it's Diego Armando. <laughs> yeah, you got to see the whole thing. I have, baby. To, I have to. I can't. I can't go back now after watching that. And 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 then we've seen it with Thierry Henry. I guess is a recent example of being so such a genius at the game. Now I don't know if Shevchenko is considered that, but he's won a ball on door, and he was a tremendous yeah. striker for many years. But I actually thought he was pleasantly very good as a manager for Ukraine, got them to the quarterfinals for the first time in their history in the Euros this past summer. Mm. And I think he might have that ability to get a lot out of a team that maybe doesn't have a lot of it. You know, he's getting a, a, a lot out of a lot a less, let's say, talent. Or maybe Ukraine's sleeping on a lot of talent. There's, there's two things there. But going to Genoa, yeah, they're right on top of the relegation zone. Only one win out of 12 games. They needed to make a change. They have American owners, so that's interesting oh, yeah, to see. That's right. uh, they go with Shevchenko. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how he does. Frankly, it's not easy to come in midseason, but we have seen some managers in the past turn that into some uh, great success. Most recently, with Thomas Tuchel, I think stands out. But yes, I, 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 I think this is a great hire. And and sometimes the big names want to start right at the top. And I actually like that he's taking a Genoa to really kind of build out his cv yes there's pressure obviously they don't want to get relegated but he doesn't have to get top four or top six he does have to stay at this point they just want to stay up so he gets him to stay up and then maybe he can take those steps and if he does really well then maybe he can get one of the top clubs moving forward december 1st jimmy conrad genoa against ac milan so mm -hmm. that should be an intriguing matchup mm -hmm. right they got there. roma they got roma his first game <laughs> so even better, right? Yeah. Jose Marie. We're yeah. going to talk about Roma actually after the break. We're going to take a quick break right now. But if you're listening to this on uh, podcast form, it's a little break. But on YouTube Live, we're going to keep on rolling. Kigo Lasso, Jimmy Conrad, Weekend Recap. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing. To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody. Told you we would be back straight away, and we are. Let's uh, keep going here. Let's do first uh, the losers of the weekend. There's Norris. Uh, I know that we're going to talk Real Betis Sevilla, but we'll talk about losers of the weekend. Uh, well, yeah, actually, uh, and in turn, we're talking about La Liga as well because we're going to talk about the teams that really have disappointed, especially this weekend. Barcelona. They were three nothing up, Jimmy Conrad. They were looking good, and then, as you said, Yago Aspas, Celta Vigo. My God, amazing uh, scenes from Celta Vigo's perspective, but. Barcelona broke down. By the way, injuries for Ansu Fati, Eric Garcia, Nico. Uh, Ansu Fati's out four to six weeks. Oh. Uh, Ushman Dembele, he's he's definitely a loser maybe of the season. Dude, he played five oh. minutes against Dinamo Kiev in the Champions League, and now he's hurt for a significant amount of time again. Like, oh. What is going on with that dude? Xavi has his work cut he out does. for him. Jimmy he really so, does. He really so does. So what do you think? What happens now? I mean, Ansu Fati out for four weeks? Yeah, that hurts them. He scored a tremendous first goal in Great this game goal. that that I think really speaks to his quality. You know, he scored midweek as well against uh, Dinamo Kiev, who hadn't lost a game at home all season. So, you know, he has he's special. He's a special player. That's the best way to say it. Mm. But he's got to get healthy. Their young players have to get healthy. I'm talking about Pedri and now talking about Eric Garcia. 
you know, everybody, Ushman Dembele, who they all have to get healthy for for Xavi to really be able to build something of consequence. And so, yeah, it's it's been a heartbreak right now for for Barcelona. Let's leaving the injuries aside, giving up a three goal lead is is frankly unacceptable. That yeah. said, I do want to say for the record that I that one of my bets was Iago Aspas scoring any time because the guy loves scoring against Barcelona. He did, man. You did. Twice. I, I, keep, I keep telling people to listen to Jimmy. I told my wife, and she's like, what are you talking? I was like, just listen to Jimmy. And she's I, got, like, okay. I don't hit all of them, but there are times you, you where I'm like on weekend, though. fire, though. Yeah, this, this week weekend you hit a lot. Yeah. A ton. All right. So, so, so but, but, I, I don't know. I, I just, it's just like, are they a team that, like a Barcelona team, when I think about the past, going up 3-0, they would have done exactly in the past what Man City did against Man United. Correct. They get it, game's done. 2-0, 3-0, over. They're just going to pass the ball and kill you to death, and you're going to get so tired chasing them, you don't even want to play anymore. It's but almost this- like they knew that Celta Vigo was going to do this. They they put it in their heads at halftime. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and Ter Stegen didn't look very good in this game. You know, he hasn't been as consistently good for a long time. We were comparing him or calling him one of the top goalkeepers in the world because it was. He was saving Barcelona like game in and game out. And Oblak were like him and then Neuer when he's healthy, obviously. Like those are the guys they're thinking about. And now I feel like he's had a bit of a drop off, but I guess you can only be shelled for so long before your head goes down. Well, you can't see your Newcastle, anymore. right? Maybe it'll be a good. Story. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But <laughs> it, it's it's interesting. I didn't think the back line looked too sharp. It just I, I feel like Barcelona lacks that killer instinct, and I think teams know it. And I think Celta Vigo knows if we just get one, that could turn into two, could turn into three. And and so I was not surprised that they gave up a three goal lead. I was actually more surprised that Atletico Madrid gave up their two-goal lead in injury time to tie 3-3 when they're up over Valencia 3-1. Because I feel like Diego Simeone should just has a team that knows better. Whereas Barcelona, well, I kind of They're also in that. our losers of the weekend. <laughs> Atleti is also part of that. Uh, who else is in here as well? Manchester United, uh, we said we'll come back to them. By the way, they were booed again at Old Trafford as well. Uh, four touches in Man City's box, etc. We talked about Manchester United earlier, but very quickly, I mean... I mean, what's going on? I mean, what? What? I mean, the international break. Okay, press the reset button, but we know exactly what's going to happen if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer remains. No. Yeah, I, I, I feel like a broken record because even though he does have that one result to kind of hang his hat on from time to time, like the three-zero win over Spurs, and you're like, I just feel like that result was a bit of a mirage. That it was a bit of a like, you know, uh, one of those magic tricks that Ole was pulling because. The back three, their team isn't set up for that. Mm. And they tried to pull it off against Atalanta and City. It didn't work. He switched to a back four in the second half against City. And I just, they, they've gone as far as they can go with Ole. I, I, mean, I think listen, that's it. That's that second it. goal, when they just allowed the ball to just creep in, it wasn't the Hayes fault. It was just Luke Shaw just watching. Like, it's unbelievable. Some of the things that are going on. I mean, I just don't know where to go. Juan, uh, I'll uh, say, I, I don't know. I mean, City fan here, he's enjoy, he enjoyed that. Of course you enjoy that. You're a City fan. <laughs> you enjoy every weekend. <laughs> uh, I would say that De Gea kind of had the performance that he did against Leicester. And, and Ole Gunnar said after the last Leicester game when they lost 4-2, when it was 2-2, Rashford scored to make it 2-2. You think they'd lock it down and set up shot. They gave up two more goals in the last six or seven minutes to lose that 4-2. De Gea mm-hmm. was their man of the match. He was so yeah. good in that game. He was, he and, did and again, ridiculous. he was man of the match. I mean, he was standing on his head making crazy saves. Yes, he which could have done says better. a lot, which it says does. a lot about exactly. That. Exactly. So All right. I, I just think you have a lot of drop off from players. And and maybe the guys that played throughout the summer with the Euros, England, Luke Shaw, McGuire just haven't looked as sharp. Uh, Lindelof and Bailly for me are still like not Manchester United, Manchester United players when you think about it, you know, like you, you want to see Vidic and Fernand, you know, you, you, you got guys that just lock it down. And those guys aren't the ones, I think, that uh, have that same type of presence. But All right, we I don't know, man. Question. There's a lot to unpack there. Well, listen, we, we have a lot to still keep going. And I want to keep it very uh, brief here. But it's, this is a very quick answer from this question, by the way. Have Manchester United regressed? And they're all, all going to social. Jimmy Conran? No, because every time we think they've regressed, they have a big performance. I don't think they have. I think this is just as good as it's going to get. And that might be hard for fans to accept. The the best and worst thing is the ultimate fate for Manchester United. Sir Alex Ferguson gave you so much that everybody right now is trying to still get rid of that cloud, and it's not happening. So to your point, it's not necessarily regression. It's like it's just flat. It's a flat line. Speaking yeah. of uh, Manchester United, a former Manchester United manager, Jose Mourinho, Roma, 
your team in Serie A, Jimmy Conrad, last Serie last seven games in Serie A, two wins, one draw, four losses. Here's a quote from Jose Mourinho. Desnars, do you have the quote for me to put up on the screen? Do I need to read the whole thing? It's a it's a big oh, one. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I don't want you to just read it. Read it like Mourinho. Okay. Say right, I want I give me I want your best acting skills here. Get out. Okay. Well, as a coach, the opinion I always have is that you need to impart a bit of ambition and motivation to the squad. You have not just for the players, but for myself too. So saying that top four is a target to fight for us does not necessarily mean the squad is a top four squad. I never said that we're worthy of the top four. But I will continue to say up until the point that is mathematically impossible that the top four is the target we're fighting for. But for a few reasons, we have finished six and seven in the last few seasons. Well, the business we did this summer, in my opinion, and in the opinion of us internally, was business done reacting to events with the aim of strengthening the squad where we had to go. I don't think this squad is better than last season. We lost experienced players and useful squad players. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that's Mourinho. Uh, I love it. I love it. Talk, talk to me. Okay. Talk to me about uh, Roma. The honeymoon's over. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. You know, like I had mentioned before, I'm pretty sure in a previous podcast where, where you just need someone in that locker room that can kind of cut through the BS of Mourinho. And, and he's going to say some things publicly and he needs some leaders to step up. Not only that, off the field and in the in the changing room, you need guys that are going to step up on the field. And I'm looking at it defensively. They just leak way too many goals and goals that can be relatively. I mean, that must what frustrate him the most. It's just like, why are we giving up these shitty goals? You know, why yeah. why why aren't we closing the ball down? I'm asking you to go another half yard to close the ball down. I'm I'm having you drop off like a step so you can be in a better position to clear a ball out. That's so frustrating as as a coach. And as someone that has some coaching experience, one of the things that I had the hardest time with, and this I'm talking about some of the players I coached in the fourth division here in this country, was that there was this, this lack of recognition to danger. Mm. Like this needs to be, this fire needs to be put out before it even gets started. And, and I feel like that's not happening enough. And maybe things were going too well to begin the season that they sometimes you get away from doing the little things that gave you that success in the first place because everything's going so great. But once you get away from doing those little things, doing the dirty work that that's thankless and, and nobody really appreciates, and you don't get a lot of credit for. And if enough players start to kind of lose that edge of doing that work, this is what you see. And and, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, it's just too easy. Every time I hike, why is it that easy to score against players that should know better? And, and I think I understand where he's coming from and I and I share his frustration. Now, I wish he would handle some of his postgame stuff a little bit better, but. You know, it wouldn't be Jose Mourinho if he's not throwing out some crap. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, Jimmy Conrad. We have some new viewers, by the way. Make sure that you throw in some comments, questions, smash that like button. We love to hear from you. Uh, And the final losers of the weekend, Verona subs, Jimmy Conrad. Daniel Bessel (laughs) subbed on in the 75th minute, sent off in the 88th. Nikola Kalinic subbed off in the 84th minute, sent off in the 90 plus three minute. And then Napoli... Drew 1-0 against Verona. That's not a good way to impress your manager if you don't want to get sent off. Have you ever been sent off that quickly? I got sent off in my last national team game. I was captain, and I got two yellows in 15 minutes, and I was out. This is my last one. Like, talk about going out in a blaze of glory. I know, right? I know. It was sad for a little while, but now I I, I lean into it. And I own it because it's kind yeah, of fun. I love it. You have to yeah. own it. It's great. Yeah. All right. From losers of the weekend, very quickly, uh, winner of the weekend. Uh we talked about Giovanni Simeone. You mentioned the number seven goals in the last four matches, the last one against Napoli. I mean, it's going well for Gio Simeone. Christmas is going to be good at the Simeone. <laughs> oh, only only one half of the team. Well, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, Simeone's been fantastic. It's fun when you have the opportunity, and I'm glad Serie A is on Paramount Plus to, to be able to watch every single game of the league, but also when a player gets hot, you can go spend some time and see what he's doing well. And this guy is something fierce. I mean, every single game, he's scoring bangers. He's scoring tap-ins. I mean, he's doing the thankless work, too, to get in good spots to make something happen. And now he finds himself second in the scoring charts, only one goal behind Lazio's Chiro, the hero, Omoble. And fair play to Giovanni Simeone. You always wondered as a player's or a, a famous player's son, you know, you have all that pressure to have that name on the back of your shirt, but... He's been fantastic this season. He deserves full credit for helping Verona be mid-table and and being competitive in every single game. 
Absolutely. We're going to keep going here because we got a lot more uh, before we say goodbye. But uh, let's stick with players here. Yago Aspas, we mentioned, of course, nine goals, three assists in 14 games. Um, I talked to Yago Aspas a few years ago. I love him. He loves Celta Vigo so much. Is there a player in the world, Jimmy Conrad, who matters more for his club than right now Yago Aspas for Celta Vigo? Well, I would say Francesco Totti all time. You know, that guy just Roma yeah, through and he through. He is Roma, yeah. He is. Uh, oh, man. It's tough, right? I, I mean, they love him, and he loves them in return. Definitely active. Uh, currently, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Active, it has to be. Active for sure. Okay, I mean, maybe somebody, I'm trying to think of somebody on Bayern, maybe. Um I just, I just think he, he literally is uh, that club, and that club is him, and it's amazing, and it annoys me every single time the national team for Spain comes out and he's not on it. He's just, he's just so good. He's yeah, so good. He's so good. I, he's I, so good. He's probably one of the more underrated players that just fly under the radar, but, but uh, find ways to score goals. I love Iago Aspas. I have a Celta Vigo jersey just because of Iago Aspas. I love it. I love it, and he plays with a Peruvian Renato Tapia. Hey, Jesse Marsh is our final winner yes. of the weekend uh, rb leipzig uh wins against borussia dortmund so good for jesse marsh jimmy conrad it's great for him against borussia dortmund in particular i know that no erling holland in this one but i got real nervous because they gave up a lead again right after halftime and kunku who's on something fierce we're talking about giovanni simeone but in has been fantastic this season for rb yeah. leipzig i wonder how much longer he's going to stay at the club if he continues to perform this well well, the there's Marco a new Royce, target for you, Jimmy. Yeah, though, too. I would take Nkunku in a heartbeat. Imagine him and uh, Alan San Maximin and Almiron on the field at the same time. Yes, inject Ooh. that into my veins. But they, they gave up another goal. There's still, there's another team that just give up these really soft goals at times, RB Leipzig. And I know they lost their two starting center backs. And I know that matters because it's not easy. To your point about Jack Grealish and Aston Villa, it's not easy just to bring in a whole bunch of good players and then hope they just gel all of a sudden. It takes some time. For that yeah. to marinate, and it's going to take some time, I think, for these center backs. But thankfully, Nkunku got an assist to Yusuf Polson, who's been with RB Leipzig since day one. Got a really cool story there, and he uh, ended up scoring the winner. And it was just nice to see Jesse Marsh get a little bit of that luck. I feel like they've been lacking a little bit of that that luck, but I think you create your own luck. And so it was nice for them to to really kind of push that in their favor. And it was a big win for him in particular, and for the team, of course. They just need to get on a run. They just seem like they'll win one or two, then they'll lose one they shouldn't, or drop points somewhere else that they shouldn't. And hopefully this will, after this international break, allow them to kick on and go on a nice run. I know, annoying now for them. The international break is here, but hopefully they will keep that momentum and at least the confidence from that victory. All right, we're going to finish with MLS, uh, by the way. As we are chatting and taping, the Western side of things are kicking off very soon, but the East is done, Jimmy Conrad. And speaking of Jesse Marsh, some more American love, baby, because, well, first of all, let me give you a, a little bit of a recap here the east uh, atlanta orlando and the red bulls they clinch mm -hmm. orlando city uh wins against montreal daryl dk scored the second one usa 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 <laughs> right our producer des norris atlanta united came back from behind uh and atlanta united has been underwhelming i mean they got they got the playoffs but they better wake up a little bit more in the playoffs i feel but miles robinson with that goal as well usa 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 <laughs> is our producer des norris and the red bulls draw with Nashville. A Nashville side, by the way, that hasn't lost at home at all, but they all clinch. So what do you make of that Eastern Conference now as we look? Uh, can you put on that table, Desnars? Yeah, so New England lost to Inter-Miami at home. Not a great way to go into the playoffs. They set a record for the most points in the season, so fair play to the Revs. They lost, I mean, in losing to Inter-Miami too, never, never a nice treat, never want to stumble, as I mentioned. Mm. New England, though, are still the clear favorites to win the league. They've been excellent. And they did rested they rotate a few players. Today? Did they rotate? Yeah, they did. They rotated today. Yeah. So that uh, it did. It did. Uh, nice to see NYCFC fight back to to get a draw against Philadelphia Union. Uh, Zelalam, Gideon Zelalam got a red card early in that one. So mm. that's interesting for them in terms of seeding. So now you have Philly playing New York Red Bulls in the first round in Philadelphia. That'll be interesting. Nashville versus Orlando City at Nashville. Nashville, I don't think they lost today. No, they drew no, they one, one. They drew. They drew. They Nash haven't lost at home. They haven't lost at home, but they have eight wins and nine draws. So they're kind of ripe to at some point lose that. But uh, Gary Smith's mm -hmm. doing a nice job there. It's tough to break down. And then you got NYCFC Atlanta. 
which I think is an incredible matchup between two teams that have some fantastic players. Uh, D game, D game to watch for me. East. For me in the East, Tati Castellanos, Castellanos uh, lost out on the Golden Boot here because Ola Kamara got two goals today from DC United to get 19 goals, so he ends up pipping him. He has 18, but then you got Joseph Martinez for Atlanta. I think Atlanta United fans are going to be a little disappointed because they're probably not going to host a game in the playoffs. And obviously that's a big advantage for Atlanta United, that home field advantage. But yeah, so many, so many uh, great games. Orlando City, nice to say, must win game against Montreal to book their ticket. They got it done 2-0. I, I, Columbus crew has to be mentioned. They won MLS Cup last year, didn't make the playoffs this time around. That has to go as a big... Uh, uh, dislike, or I don't know, whatever dislike button you want to hit. It's disappointing, it's, right? It's, yeah, I mean, you got Zellerion, uh, who's excellent. He scored again today, a good goal. You got Darlington Nagby, Jossie's. I mean, they just have so many players that it's it really is unacceptable for them not to to have made the playoffs here. DC United, when uh, they won one in their last, or two out of their last six, kind of stumbling into this position. All they had to do was get a draw or, out of one of those losses, and they would have made the yeah. playoffs, so... Yeah, so close for their young manager, Hernan Losada, to to get them into the playoffs. But uh, yeah, and FC Cincinnati up 1-0 and lost 2-1. <laughs> they only have one home win. Inter-Miami actually has more wins in Cincinnati than Cincinnati has at home. Isn't that crazy? So anyway. yeah, Sam is uh, smiling somewhere. Just yeah, probably. I, I probably. told you it wasn't me. Uh, but the West is kicking teams. off, by the way. The West is kicking off. LA, Galaxy, Minnesota is a big one as well as Colorado LAFC, I feel. But LAFC need a, a lot. Of, that's why Heath Pierce, by the way, is not with us today, part of the LAFC crew. Anything specific? Sporting KC, Ralph Salt Lake. Are you looking for anything in particular for the West? Yeah, I'm looking at the two LA teams in particular. LAFC, as you mentioned, have some work to do. Colorado Rapids, sneakily pretty good. They're the third seed. They should stay there unless things mm. go their way. Robin Frazier's done a great job with the team. LAFC, though, Carlos Vela should start this one. So... They could get that result, but as you mentioned, they need a couple things. Galaxy Minnesota is a very good game, and and Galaxy started super hot, if you remember. Now we'll see if they can finish the season just as hot as they did when they started it. That's the beauty of the MLS playoffs. You just have to get hot at the right time. But that those are the two games I'm looking at the most. And then I just want to uh, give a shout out to to you know some of these teams that have locked. Vancouver's been excellent over the last you know six or seven games to turn things around. After uh, firing their coach, Mark DeSantos, who's a friend, so it's sad to see him go, but they've actually played better without him there. So the yeah. West is very intriguing to me, and, and uh, the playoffs should be unbelievable, and I'm looking forward to them starting next week. Absolutely. MLS playoffs, super, super fun. Uh, very quickly, by the way, Sevilla wins 2 nothing against uh, Real Betis. You better watch the goal from Marcos Acuña. So good. Screamer, Ana Bellerin, own goal from Real Betis. So Sevilla win 2 nothing. So... As we say goodbye, this is our final thoughts. Jimmy Conrad, always a pleasure when it's just me and you, Jim. Uh, any final thoughts uh, before we say goodbye? Yes, I want to talk about the NWSL. The playoffs started today. You can see all those games on Paramount Plus as well. Chicago Red Stars beat Gotham FC. That was the last ever game for Carly Lloyd that for in her professional career. She now... Wow. Yeah, so she's out. Chicago, Mallory Pugh scored the goal. Very good goal. So you want to go check out a good goal, check out Mallory Pugh's from Chicago Red Star. And Washington Spirit, North Carolina Courage are playing right now. And then the winners will play OL Reign or Portland Thorns. This is the quarterfinals tonight. So, yeah, I mean, lots of playoffs happening here in our domestic leagues, and, I, and I'm very excited for it. Yep, and make sure that you follow and listen to our Sister attacking third, by the way. Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman do an amazing job. Amazing. And they're covering everything from the women's game, including the NWSO. As you mentioned, Jimmy Conrad, you can watch on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. Jimmy Conrad, always a pleasure, my friend. By the way, Jimmy and Heath, uh, they're going to be going live at 5.15 Eastern on Monday for the USMNT hour. And Jimmy's going to have a few things to take off his chest, by the way, because... You know, there's just, and I'm with you, Jim. There's just, there's a lot of chatter right now. Jimmy's going to put some things straight. So I want you to tune into this. But anyway, regardless, the next week coming up, we've got Fabrizio Romano, et cetera, and some really cool interviews coming up you don't want to miss. But Jimmy and Heath are going to guide us through with some guests as the USMNT return to face Mexico and then Jamaica as well. But there's a lot of great USMNT, CONCACAF, uh, content, Jimmy, right? Yeah, are you excited? Turn, turn, for on that? Your no, no, turn on your notifications after you hit subscribe, and that way you yeah. won't miss any of the good stuff. That's what LME is trying to say. I'm just giving you a shortcut to make that happen. Thank you guys <laughs> so much. We love you.
We love you. That is it. Uh, please keep on watching. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Follow Kego Lasso Podcast on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. Subscribe to the Kego Lasso page on YouTube and hit that notification bell, like Jimmy said. And of course, subscribe to Kego Lasso wherever you get your pods. Jimmy Conrad, thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Have a great, great rest of your evening, and we'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.